Welcome to the Saucy Stat Bros Podcast. I am Kyle. And I am Brandon, and we are the Saucy Stat Bros. Today's episode, preview of the Pac-12. Let's dive in. Okay, yeah. So, last year, Pac-12, Arizona got a nice one seed after dominating the conference. Uh, that was they, really good. They had four losses. Yeah. They had four losses um, on the season with a loss to Houston in the Sweet 16. I remember uh, talking about them like with you on how I thought that they would be the 2023 March Madness champions with how strong they were looking back in like December. I remember that. And... Yeah. I mean, you were really high on them for a while there and they really faded at the end of the year, didn't they? Yeah, I I quickly lost a lot of faith in them towards the end. It was they did not look as strong as they did back in November, and that showed when they faced uh, TCU and Houston. They did yeah. beat TCU, the nine seed, um, mm-hmm. but it went into overtime. So I mean, yep. it was way tighter than anybody thought it would be, um, but. Going into it, I was not too sure on Arizona, but I remember them getting absolutely blasted by Houston in the Sweet Sixteen matchup. I mean, Houston dominated that game from start to finish. There were a couple times Arizona kind of got it back, got it close, uh, and that was right after halftime. But the first half of that game was absolutely dominated by Houston. Oh yeah, like right from the tip. Uh, tip was a little bit sloppy, but. Arizona did not produce for the first few minutes, and Houston took a lead, and they never really looked back. They had their slow points, but they just kept with it, and um, I Arizona did not stand a chance, in my opinion, there. No, and then the second-best team last year on the Pac-12 was UCLA. Um, UCLA got a hard-earned four seed in the tournament. Um, I know they were one yeah. of the preseason picks to win it all, they were a preseason one seed in a lot of people's brackets. Um, but walk us through, you know, what kind of happened to UCLA on the stretch and why they fell to a four. So uh, it all starts with Jaime Hakwas there. Um, he is elite. Um, he'll be most people's uh, best player in the Pac-12 and at least top three player. Um, he was battling some injuries. Um, he was playing through them. He... I was amazed on, he had like two hurt ankles and he kept playing through them. But um, one angle at the end you, of the year there too, one of his ankles just, um, he sprained it really bad. Not really, yeah. him for sure. Yeah, and so it just hit at the wrong time and they started losing. They lost back to back against Arizona and Arizona State, um, both at Arizona and at Arizona State. But it just, started to fade and i thought that they were robbed i thought that they should have been a three seed to be fair but it just did not look like they had what it takes against tournament caliber teams like if you look at their games against uh oregon um usc they were shooting terribly down the stretch like the last five minutes of that overtime game against uh oregon that they lost they shot six for 17 with 0 for six from three in their last uh, five minutes in overtime. I, yeah. it's, that's a tough way to finish the game. And it's, it's really hard to win when you're shooting like that. Um, yeah. And it's really it, no surprise if they you, fell to the, to the red hot Tar Heels in the tournament. Um, North Carolina came out swinging and you still like up to close for the whole game. But at the end, um, the Tar Heels offense was too much to control. Yeah. The last five minutes, the Tar Heels outscored them by nine. Like, if you can't make buckets when the game is on the line, you're not going to win the big games. And that's what we saw from them, which it was a tough loss because you're going up against the uh, runner-ups. <sighs> that's a tough game, of course. So, like, yep. if they had easier path, they could have gone f- further, but... Also, they could have been in that championship game, but they couldn't finish their game out. Pure mm-hmm. and simple. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the last team to make the tournament for the Pac-12 last year was USC. 
Lost to Miami first round. Got upset. The seven seed. Upset by the ten seed Miami. You know, UCLA really didn't surprise... Or not UC, USC, I should say. Um, didn't really surprise me that they lost that early. Um, so for the record, Brandon and I are both uh, college basketball uh, fanatics. Uh, we love the sport. We each have made our own uh, formulas using stats from games. And we compile those stats into a ranking system for all the teams in college basketball. And last year in my formula, USC was way lower than you would expect a seven seed to be in the tournament. So I noticed that, and I wasn't surprised that USC um, felt when they did, um, especially given Miami was on the upswing and Miami was kind of being a trendy upset pick. So it it really made sense um, from a macro standpoint as to why they lost. Um, but it was really surprising to me because Andy Enfield, the USC coach, um, has really had a good record over the past few years, right, Brandon? Yeah, uh, for sure. He is probably the best, of, or he is one of the best, but I, in my opinion, I think he is the best in the Pac-12. Uh, I know there's like Tommy Lloyd and McCronin, but Andy Enfield is just dominant, and he has a good support staff, and they are like really good, but they just got pinned against a tougher team like i didn't see too much out of usc like i i did think that they would probably struggle in the tournament but i was not seeing a first round matchup until they got placed against miami and then it's like yeah that's going to be brutally tough for usc to pull that out uh yeah infield could coach and have them squeeze it out but i it was that from was the tip like it's going to be a tight one. Because Coach Enfield, he was the coach of Florida Gulf Coast when they went to the Sweet 16, right? The Dunk City years? Yep. Yeah. 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 I loved watching those. Like, that yeah. has to be, like, the top game that we watched growing up. Like, their yeah, dunks were amazing. And, like, they were pulling <laughs> off these insane upsets. And it's like, yeah. So yeah, that was coached. really, really cool. He's coached teams that can win when the pressure is on in March. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, this year, this past year was not his year. Yeah. And speaking of good coaches, um, Coach Dana Altman of the Oregon Ducks, they didn't make the tournament last year, um, but Oregon is definitely a team I want to talk about um, wrapping up last year's Pac-12 year. Um, just because um, Oregon was right there uh, the whole year. They lost a few games on the stretch and they didn't quite have what it took. Um, but coach Dana Altman of the Oregon Ducks is also really good in the, to the final four in 2017. Um, and I'm definitely hoping they get back to the tournament this year. Yeah. It's always fun to see the Ducks mm. in March because like they always produce a good show. Um, a few years ago it was, uh, Pritchard, uh, Pac-12 player of the year. He was so fun to watch, but then the tournament got canceled. And then we haven't really seen much since COVID from Oregon. And so hopefully they can make it back this I'm year. I'm going to pick on you here, Brandon, too. Um, so uh, more about us. I'm from Minnesota, the Twin Cities area. Um, I grew up a Gopher fan. Uh, Brandon, my co-host, is from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so he's a Badger fan. So there's a, a lot of a rivalry between us with Gopher Badger. And I'm just going to uh, take this time to bring up uh, Oregon as a 12 seed beating uh, Wisconsin as a 5 seed in 2019. Uh, you remember that game, Brandon? Yeah, I do. It wasn't our worst loss to uh, Oregon as a program, but for basketball, it's our worst loss to Oregon because <laughs> that was a heartbreaking upset. Um, when you think of heartbreaking upsets, usually you would think of the Rose Bowl game. I don't even remember what year where Oregon just destroyed Wisconsin. It, that was heartbreaking, but yeah, Oregon winning in March is very common, and it's mm -hmm. yeah heartbreaking for I those going up against. I yeah, I can see it. I can see it. They yeah. have a couple of uh, good freshmen coming in, and uh, Altman is a top level coach. So mm -hmm. they could easily make it. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. It well, was. Uh, they they were high going into last year. They were supposed to be a tournament team, but yeah. they just did not get off to a good start, and then they weren't able to finish it off either. Their mm-hmm. start and end was just bad. So if they can eliminate that, you would be able to see them in the tournament this year. Yeah, what I was going to ask you was, um, what's your outlook on Arizona for this year? Um, last year, the Wildcats really uh, dominated the Pac-12 as a one seed in the tournament. What do you think about them this year? I, I honestly just don't like them this year. They are going to be a team that is built on momentum, and they're going to be tough to beat at Arizona. Like, if they're home and the students are there packing the uh, whole arena, they're going to be tough to beat. But you have injury-prone guys. You have guys that can go 0 for 7 for shooting, and that would be considered normal. Um, you have transfer of Ramey coming in from Texas, but how much value does he really add? Not the Matherin level that Arizona got last year. So they're going to definitely take a huge step back compared to last year, but they still have enough where they could win some games. But I don't know your thoughts on them, but. I mean, Arizona lost a lot of talent this last year. I mean, as you just said, uh, Bendik Matherin, uh, Pac-12 player of the year, um, really, really, really talented guard. Um, Long, good shooter, knows how to drive. Kind of a jack of all trades on the court, honestly. Um, they lost him. They lost Christian Coloco, their seven-one center. Um, he was a really, really big presence for them. Um, not a lot of teams could guard Coloco when he was on, and to not have that front court presence that you used to, um, it's really, really going to make it hard for Arizona to stay competitive. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll end up on the top half of the Pac-12 again, like you were saying. Um, they're going to be tough to beat at home. But they just lack the talent that they had last year. They lack the completeness, all the pieces that Tommy Lloyd put together in his first year at Arizona. They don't have a lot of those anymore. So I think they'll still be considered um, for the NCAA tournament. I think that they are tournament caliber. But if they started to slide as the season progresses... That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have talent with Creesa um, mm-hmm. and Tubelis, but I, you have Ramey stepping in for Matherin, and you have Balo stop stepping in for um, what was their center's name? Their seven-one center, um, uh, Coloco. So, like, Coloco, yeah. So you have those two, and it's like that is a huge step down. So. Um, Absolutely. I, 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 it's going to be tough to see them um, come out on top, but they definitely could be a tournament team. That is for yeah. sure. Absolutely. And on that note, um, Brandon, do you want to go ahead and reveal your projected standings for the Pac-12 this year? Um, so both of us have put sure. together um, our own list of Pac-12 standings, uh, projected, you know, 1 through 12. And then additionally, where that team is going to end up in March Madness for the following year. So Brandon, uh, starting at number 12, fire away. Number 12, I have clearly Oregon State. Uh, I don't know about you, but I really think it'll be a struggle for this team to win five games. I don't see them winning a whole lot. Five games, that's like nothing. Yeah, it's they could easily be the worst power six team in college basketball. I mean, they were Don't last too year. Too much so value. What do they have to prove? <laughs> I mean, their head coach, Wayne Tinkle, is, has to be coming close to being on the hot seat. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they just don't have anybody. Like, you had this team not too long ago, a 12 seed. What did they make it to? The Final Four? They made the Elite Eight. eight? They made the Elite Eight eight. as a 12 seed. And everybody's like, wow, this is going to be some upwards 
trajectory for this program. But then it's come back and it's been downwards and just circling the bottom. So I don't see them doing much more. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have them also at 12? I do. Yeah, to be clear, I have them at number 12 and that there was no hesitation as to putting them in the cellar again in the back 12. Yep. And okay, so progressing on, uh, 11th, I have Mark Fox's California. Um, they will be fighting for a 10 win season, I think. Um, they'll be probably around eight wins, but um, they easily could get 10. They have players who have experience, they have a couple of freshmen coming in that are very coachable, but I don't see them winning all that much. And I could see them definitely struggling in the Pac-12. Um, Absolutely. Uh, my number 11 is also California um, with Mark Fox. Um, there's not a whole lot to uh, to look at on their roster this year. Um, you know, I think that they'll get a couple wins versus Oregon State in conference play uh, but other than that i think it's going to be a real struggle on the road for them and they'll win you know they'll beat oregon state they might beat one or two other teams at home but otherwise it's going to be a bleak year for uh, mark fox's california golden bears for sure so moving on to number 10 to number 10 i have washington state um kyle smith head coach um they don't have all that much they have some young guys um they brought in a good center um who i could see producing later on in his collegiate career but i don't see them doing much more um than california i think they will outdo california by three maybe four games Um, it's really really funny you say that uh, Brian and I have not shared our list with each other as to our projected standings for the Pac-12. Um, just to be clear, I also have Washington State at number ten in the Pac-12. So it's funny when you said that, um, but I don't, I don't see any um, real meaningful additions to their roster either. I think they're going to struggle to find wins. Um, like California, they'll probably beat Oregon State one to two times, um, but otherwise, it's really going to be a tough year. For sure. Number nine and. Number eight and number nine, I have tied, but the tiebreaker go, does not go to Stanford for me. Um, so I have Stanford listed at nine. Um, they were considered a bubble team last year going into like February, late January, early February. Mm-hmm. People were talking about them possibly stealing a spot, but then they faded. And I don't see much value for this team. I do think that they are around a 500, a little bit better than 500, but I don't see enough talent to take down the uh, upper teams of this conference. Yeah. um, I don't have Stanford near the top of my list, um, but Brandon and I are uh, disagreeing for the first time on our Pac-12 standings. So my number nine team in the Pac-12 uh, projected is the Utah Utes, um, Craig Smith's Utes. Um, they struggled last year. Um, and, you know, a lot of the Pac-12 is unfortunately um, really mundane with the roster. There's not a whole lot of uh, talent at the bottom of the Pac-12, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, but that's the reality of the conference is that there's just just not a whole lot going for a lot of those lower-level teams in the Pac-12. And I think that Utah will fall ahead of Washington State, ahead of California, and ahead of Oregon State. Um, but I, I don't see any reason to place them higher. Uh, that was, in fact, my number eight team. Utah, I think, is going to be right next to Stanford, but I think they'll have the tiebreaker and have a couple, one more win than Stanford in conference play. Um, but still, yeah, Craig Smith's, uh, Utes, they have multiple transfers coming in, so he did do a good job bringing in transfers. Um, mm-hmm. And Carlson at center, he 
was producing last year for the Utes, but overall as a team, they will definitely struggle in conference play. They don't have much in terms of strength of non-conference games, so they will definitely have a tough learning curve once they get into conference play, but I could see them having a few more wins in conference play than Stanford and just edging them out. Yep. So that's yep. who I have at eight. Yep, fair enough. Uh, my number eight team is the Arizona State Sun Devils, um, coached by uh, Bobby Hurley. Um, you know, it's kind of a, the same old, same old with the bottom of the Pac-12 for me. Um, just to jump ahead one bit here, my number seven team is Stanford. So we're not too far off, Brandon, on our, on our bottom five of the Pac-12. Bottom six, I should say. Um, but I rank Stanford just above Arizona State because Stanford is going to retain a little bit more talent last year than what Arizona State will. Um, and unfortunately for Coach Bobby Hurley, I think this is his final year as the Sun Devils head coach. Um, he was he brought, was brought in a few years ago, and they really hoped to make some progress with him. They even made the tournament uh, one year as an 11 seed, uh, but they lost in the first four. And I think that uh, Arizona State's had enough of Coach Hurley. I think he'll be uh, packing his bags at the end of the year. So on top of yeah. that, my number seven was Stanford. And then uh, I'll hand it off to you, Brandon, for your number 17 in the Pac-12. Mine is a little bit surprising. I think my number seven is going to be Colorado under Ted Boyle. Um, Colorado wins basketball games. Like, don't get me wrong. They win basketball games, but I see a lot of toughness in their schedule, and I don't see a lot of upside in their um, lineup. Uh, KJ Simpson, I could see having a great year. Like, don't get me wrong, but then they're relying on. Um, Wright from Princeton and Gibden from Yale coming in, and then their center will be a tall kid that's going to be a freshman. So I don't see them producing way too many wins, but I do see them hit being around seven, having it very close. Um, my seven, eight, or my seven, six, five, I think will be right on top of each other, just grouped together. Yep. All I can say is if you're a Colorado fan, your basketball team will win more games than your football team this year. Hands down. Um, I'm hoping the Buffaloes can finally uh, put together a win this week, but um, it's been a tough year for the Colorado football program. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it jumping very in. Much has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um my Gophers played Colorado week three, and uh, we won 49-7. to Don't mean to rub it in, but I was really happy to see the Gophers win that game by that much. <laughs> but back to basketball. So my number six team in the Pac-12 is Washington. Um, Mike, Hopson, Mike Hopkins Huskies um, are poised to be a little bit better than last year. And I think that they may even poke through to the bubble at some point during the year. Um, but I think at the end of the year, they're going to just rack up too many losses in the conference to ultimately be qualified for an at-large bid for the tournament. And then yeah. I'll go ahead and say my number yeah. five right now as well, which is Colorado. Um, Tadboyle's Buffaloes, just as Brandon said, they know how to win games, um, but there's just not enough there. And there's an, there's an uphill schedule. They're going to have a lot of headwinds throughout the year. So, Brandon, you want to go up to your number five team in the Pac-12, and then we can uh, say our one, two, three, four all in a row? Uh, well, you're going to skip over my number six, which is also Washington, but then my yep. number five is Arizona State. Uh, one yep. thing with Washington is they have this freshman coming in, Corn Johnson, and I think he will be absolutely amazing. He is everything that... A team looks for in a point guard in my opinion um he wasn't rated too highly um coming out of high school but i think that with this team and um some of these transfers that they brought in i think that 
this Washington team could definitely show some success and be talked about. Um, they don't have much in terms of non-conference games, but the strong non-conference games that they have are against Gonzaga and Auburn. So those games will really show how much strength this team has in them to see if they can bump up a few spots. Honestly, not having five, a lot of non-conference not having a whole lot of non-conference might help them get a lot more wins too, and that might um, push them up in some people's eyes with their value too. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and since they do have transfers and freshmen, um, it could help with chemistry, gain wins, gain confidence, and having that chemistry hit, which Oregon this past year was the exact opposite. They had some tough games right off the bat, or a team that was thrown together through transfers and freshmen, mm-hmm. and they didn't have much playtime together. So definitely not having tough games at the start could definitely help them. Um, but my number five, I did have Arizona State. Uh, I do think this will be Hurley's last year as well. Um, he is not producing. And with this team, I, I think... Horn um, could definitely be one of the top players in the Pac-12. He has what it takes, and he just, his field goal and three-point field goal percentages were way lower than his first two seasons at Illinois State. But if he could bring this back around and have a good season, I think that Arizona State could definitely be right there at the end, possibly knocking on the door of a tournament game, but I think they're going to probably fall just short. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that because I didn't see a whole lot of promise in Arizona State's roster as I was going through on the Pac-12. You know, they really weren't good last year, and yeah, they've got a nice transfer, but I don't see them getting that much better that they might have a chance at the tournament. So it's interesting to hear your point of view on that. Yeah, it's it's definitely they have the potential there. Um, they just need to execute, and I think Hurley being on the hot seat, in my opinion, I think that will be enough of a fire for them to win a few more games than what most people will think. Okay, well, you ready for my top four? I'm gonna read them all off to you, so I can see uh, you react as I'm reading them off live time. So my number four team in the Pac-12 is USC. My number three team in the Pac-12 is Arizona. My number two team in the Pac-12 is Oregon. And my number one team in the Pac-12 is UCLA. And for those of you listening and are not watching this, Brandon has put his palm over his face. Dude, USC at four? Yes, sir. Oregon at two? Yeah, I believe it. I believe in my ducks, man. I believe in my ducks. I was not expecting USC at four. Uh, I, I can see the argument for Oregon. I can't see the argument dropping USC to four. I, I just it's can't. It's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, last year they weren't spectacular. They were good, um, but they lost Isaiah Mobley. Um, and that's really what it comes down to for me, is they lost Isaiah Mobley, and he was so, so important to the Trojans' offense last year and defense, really all around. Um, to lose a player of that caliber is not really replaceable. Sure, you can you can bring new guys in, and you can still be good, um, but Mobley, I feel like, brought uh, a unique force to the team that won't be replicated this year. All right, that, that is fair. For me, my last four, I have Oregon at four, Arizona at three, USC at two, and UCLA at one. Um, well, I'm glad we agree on our champion. Well, have you seen their uh, schedule? Um, they have, for non-conference games, they have the remain, main event, which will be, who's their first game? In the Roman main event, I'm not sure. 
I know it's Baylor, Virginia, and Illinois. So okay. they'll face two out of the three of those teams, and yeah. it'll be yep. two tough games. Don't get me wrong, yep. but then they have like Kentucky, and that's mm-hmm. it for yep. tough games. And they have Jaime Jaquez, who will lead this team to win games that they should win. Not like, to mention Tiger Campbell at point. Um, don't sleep yeah. on Campbell either. Tiger Campbell was a really, really uh, strong presence on the floor last year. He's a wicked good free throw shooter, um, and he knows how to run run the game. Free throw? I'm looking at his three-point percent. He shot 41% from three. That's like really, that, really good. That's insane. Like He <laughs> is a great point guard. And not to mention, they have another guard coming in, Bailey. He's ranked ninth on 24-7 sports. He yep. is athletic. So that combination, as well as uh, Hakwa's his leadership. And they also have another five-star at center. Uh, Bona, he was 16th on, on uh, 24-7 sports. But he has raw skill, and he's explosive. So this team will come together and be at the yeah, top. absolutely. I think UCLA has the perfect blend of uh, talent, of returning talent, and uh, and the youth that the the youth recruits that are coming in to to really be a strong, strong team this year. Yeah, not to mention Mick Cronin. He is a great coach. He yep. has won more than half of his March games. Like he knows how to win. He knows how to bring his team to March and win games, yep. which is what you need to do. Here's a stat note right. for you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a pop quiz at Brandon on air here. Um, Brandon, can you name the two Pac-12 teams that have made the Final Four in the last ten years, and what year they made the Final Four? Well, 2021 was UCLA. Yep. They're what were they? The 11 seed. Uh, yes. They beat Michigan, yep. which I really liked. Um, great time. So, and then the other one I'm assuming was Oregon. It it wasn't 2019. It was not 2019. It was before 2019. Uh, Was it 18 or was it before 18 as well? What's your guess? I'll tell you once you guess. I'm I'm going to go with 18. I, I think I'm going to be wrong, but I know it wasn't like, before 15, because there was a long stretch where they did it not was win. It was You were off by one year. <sighs> 2017 Oregon made the Final Four. Um, they were a three seed that year. Um, and then they lost in the Final Four. Who did they lose so, to? You know, I don't remember now that you say. Oh, you know what? It might have been North Carolina. It might have been North Carolina. That would make sense because that they does seem like something that would happen. Yeah. So, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, bonus point for the audience. If you guys can uh, get the rest of the 2017 Final Four while we're speaking right now, uh, pat yourself on the back because um, you outstated the stat guys. Yeah. Uh, 2017. That was an interesting tournament, I think. Yes, it, it was. Like, it, it was. That was the year that of... was... Villanova lost that year to to none other than other than your Wisconsin Badgers. Villanova was the number one overall seed, and they lost in the second round to the Badgers. I remember that. Yeah, that that was a great game to watch. Yes, it was Badgers a good game. I'll give you that. But, but I can't support Wisconsin. Minnesota through and through on that. Uh, did North Carolina win the championship that year? Yes, they did. Who did they beat? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't remember who they was beat. Was it Gonzaga? I just know. Oh, it was. It was Gonzaga. That's right. Because Gonzaga's made because... two championship appearances. One was against Baylor when they lost uh, in 2021. And the other one was in 2017 when they lost to North Carolina. Yeah. It wasn't, didn't Gonzaga have an easy Final Four game, too? I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Because I want to say Wisconsin beat Villanova in that part. And then yeah. Wisconsin lost to Florida in one of the craziest games that I think <laughs> was possible. I think that's the most memorable Sweet 16 game over the past 10 years. And then I think Florida lost their next game to a team that they were supposed to beat because the two seed you know also went out early. You know who it was? South Carolina. I'm guessing an eight. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. I, I knew it was it something was weird. Wasn't it like so Duke was... the two seed? In that, it, yeah, it was Duke. Duke was the two seed, and then Duke lost to South they Carolina. Went out the second ro- second round, yeah. Yes. I was going to say Duke lost early, and it was Duke and Villanova were going to be the Elite Eight for yeah. most people, and then that just did not and happen. Neither one made it to the Elite Eight, which is hilarious. But yes. That's the chaos that March Madness brings you, and that's why we love the sport. So you got to respect yeah. the upsets when they happen. For sure. Uh, so for 2023 for March Madness, uh, yeah. What do you think for the Pac-12, Brandon? Who do you think's gonna go far this year? Um, who's gonna flop? Which teams do you have in? Let's so, start with that. So, who's in it? I have UCLA and USC. I think will easily make it. I think yep. uh, UCLA will probably get like a two seed, give or take, okay. depending on how many wins they get. Um, yep. I could see USC upwards of a three seed. I think it'll be tough for them to get a three seed, but I, I could see it being reasonable. But I could also see them mm-hmm. getting like a six seed and yeah. falling. I have three teams in for the. Um, Pac-12, and mm-hmm. the third team in my standings is Arizona, but I have them not making it because I think Oregon really? will win the Pac-12 tournament and steal that last bid. Uh, I think it'll bump uh, Arizona to the NIT because I think Arizona will be like bubble, bubble, and then lose their first Pac-12 um, tournament game and then Oregon going and winning the Pac-12 tournament will give them a spot in the uh, March Madness and I don't oh. see Arizona getting a spot that surprised me that you don't have Arizona in um, how they could go from a one seed last year to completely missing the tournament this year that that would be surprising it, it's within reason they did lose mm-hmm. a lot of talent they did, but they did. it's reasonable. Huh. Um, on my side, I have uh, four teams in. Yes, I did put Arizona in, Brandon. Um, so my my top team from the Pac-12 was UCLA at a three seed. Um, at UCLA at a three seed, I think that they'll be really strong um, from start to finish this year. I think ultimately they might lose out on a two seed or a one seed um, just because of their strength of schedule. Um, the Pac-12 is a lot oh, weaker yeah. than some of the other power conferences. And I think that, you know, other teams with similar records, um, previewing our upcoming episodes here might be Kentucky or uh, Creighton. I think those teams are going to have a harder schedule and ultimately are going to have a more um, a more uh, strong re- a stronger resume um, and ultimately be the two seeds instead of the three seeds. So I have UCLA at a three. I have... USC at a nine seed. Um, and then I also have on the other side of the bracket, I have Oregon at a nine seed. And then I have Arizona at a six seed. Um, I think Arizona has a really, really strong non conference year. And I think that Arizona. Hold on, hold on, hold will... on. Yeah. So you had Oregon at two yes. for your standings, right? How, how does that work out? We're going to have to gain a nine seed as well as USC gain a nine seed. Pac-12 was a weak conference. That's that's what I'm going with. (laughs) So I think Arizona has a strong non-conference year, and then they start to fall apart in conference play, and that pushes them down from, you know, a three seed, a four seed, down to a six seed, um, and lowers them in the conference standings. Oh, yeah, you're high on... You're high on the teams that Arizona are playing, aren't you? 
Indiana, for example, is one of them. Yes. Yes. I we'll get to the Big Ten episode. Uh I'm a fan of Indiana this year. Brandon is not. Um I value Indiana a lot more. I think that um that game will will bolster Arizona's resume. Um, and then Oregon they on the other hand is gonna made start. The tournament. The <laughs> they, they barely last made the tournament. They got, they got pinned against probably the worst team in the tournament for their first Man, four battle. They retained their Wyoming talent. Wyoming was tanking. They retained their talent from last year, and they're bringing in multiple high end recruits. They'll get a little bit deeper. They'll get a little bit better. And the Big Ten is such a slippery slope that next thing you know, Indiana will be a three seed or a four seed this year. And that's what's driving. Well, I do gotta admit, Arizona does also play like Tennessee as well. Yeah, Arizona's got a strong schedule. If if they aren't winning those games, I don't see them making the tournament because I think that they will win some of those games. I just and don't see that. That's why I'm at a six seed right now. So I I, I see your logic, but also I okay. think your Thank logic you. is stupid. That. At least you give me my logic. Because like Oregon is facing like Houston and UConn, so like their schedule isn't too much worse than Arizona. Houston's good. I'm gonna be honest with you. UConn is really gonna slide from last year. UConn is not going to have the value they had last year. They won't be a five seed this year. They'll be lucky to make the tournament, to be honest. And both Hurley brothers, could you imagine if they both lose their job? They, that would be insane. That would be a really, really good long shot bet to take this year. Give me like plus yeah, 50,000 odds slides. on both Hurley, brother, both Hurley brothers losing their job. I would take that in a heartbeat. Because uh, where are they combined in March? I know Hurley is over or Bobby is over three. Was Dan two for two for eight, two for six? Dan is um, Dan it's is either two for four, six or he has two four for wins eight. on eight appearances. Wait, he's Dan has four wins in March. Wait, no, my bad. Uh, Dan has two wins and four appearances. I read that wrong. You sure he only has four yeah. appearances? Is it two it's and four, four or? He's two and four. So he's mm-hmm. two and two. No, Dan oh, Hurley. No, two and four. Been oh. through the tournament time. He has won Man. two games. Yep, I I realized what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. he had four games, not. Four appearances, so yeah, two no. for four, so is, or two and four, six so he's games in two for six. He's played okay. six games, and he's won two of them. So he's made the second round twice, and he's made the first round twice. So um, they are a combined two for nine. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, that that is not good in March. It. Really would not surprise me if, yeah, both Hurley brothers were unemployed at the end of this year's season. I think Dan is the less likely brother to get fired, but if UConn slides, because UConn is a top-tier team, but Arizona State is struggling to make appearances, and they want to make appearances, especially Mm -hmm. with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 they are going to yeah. just look terrible. Think about so the Arizona they, Arizona State rivalry. I mean, that's a complete joke right now because Arizona basketball is terrific and Arizona State basketball is really bad. Yeah, I, I mean, Arizona was before Tommy Lloyd was very much underperforming, but if you still mm-hmm. looked at that matchup, it would always be Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. Everybody would pick yeah. them, which mm-hmm. you need a different coach if that is how your uh, biggest rivalry matchup is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Brandon, I'm curious to hear what you have to say on this next 
this next topic. Um, I want to talk player of the year in the Pac-12. Oh. Oh. Give me your top five players in the Pac-12 that you think could be player of the year at the end of the year. I'm going to shock you here. Uh, You are not going to agree with my list at all. Am I going to laugh in my share here? You might. You might. Uh, Number one. or Do we want to start at number five? Mine no, aren't in any particular think, order, so I, I'm I'm putting mine in order of what okay. I think will happen. At the end of the year, I think the top vote getter will be DJ Horn. I have no comment. Continue. <laughs> uh that, I, I, I seriously didn't even make my list, to, to be clear. Did not make could my list. Easily he could easily have a good, or he could have a great year. I mean, you see him at, or did you see him at Illinois State? He was fantastic, like shooting lights out and just dominating the court. Um, mm-hmm. And it was probably an adjustment going to the Pac-12. And so I think he'll be adjusted this year. His shooting numbers will be back up. And I think he will run that offense and run it quite well. Uh, <sighs> I can't say I see it right now. Um, what you're saying? Sure, I believe it. Um, <laughs> but we'll have to wait and see um, as the as yeah. as the season plays out. Yep, my number two would be Jaime, of course. Um, I think he he will be more of a leader this year instead of a dominating force. So I think his value Mm -hmm. will be higher, but his stats will be lower, which will pull him from that top spot. I think he theoretically should, but I don't think he will get player of the year. Um, But he will have the best presence on the court Mm -hmm. in all of the Pac-12. Yep, I'm um, right there with at you. number three. I have KJ Simpson. I KJ Simpson looked really good, and I think he has enough around him to make him a big threat and not just get double teamed. Like we won't yeah. see a team. Uh, what team was it? Loyola, Maryland double-teaming Steph Curry to keep him at zero. We won't be seeing that. We will not be seeing that, but he will win his matchups. I think he is great on the ball. He has a great shot, great drive, and I think he will be like DJ Horn and have to take over. And I could see his stats pulling him into the Pac-12 Player of the Year conversation. I mean, yeah, Um, KJ Simpson is a strong guard for Colorado. Um, I think he's good. I'm, I'm still seeing, you know, your, your reasoning for it as a bit of a stretch for him being the player of the year. Um, but if it were to happen, it wouldn't completely shock me. Yeah. Uh, these are, my predictions are a little bit strong, but also like they're reasonable. Like I understand. I'll keep you in check. Don't worry. I'll keep you in check with mine. <laughs> oh, yours is going to probably just make me speechless. But I don't <laughs> see many players being able to take over games in the Pac-12, where yep. my list are is like players that can take over and make an impact, um, mm-hmm. because it's very few of them, and they all very easily can. It's just the question of if they will. Yep. And fourth on my list is Boogie Ellis. Um, With no Mobley, I could see UCLA really relying on him more. And he did not do bad last year. He had a great year. Um, So I could definitely see him making it and doing quite well. yeah, he had I'd buy Boogie Ellis. 12 and a half points per game last year. So I, I could see mm-hmm. that increasing. Yeah, um, it, it almost certainly will. And then 
my number five. This one will shock you. Um, Corn Johnson, freshman point guard for Washington. I he's impressive. Like, you like that kid, have you seen you? his film? He's everything that if I were a coach of a team, he is everything that I would want to see out of a point guard. If it translates to college, that's another question. But could he take over and lead this team to an extra additional wins because he's just doing phenomenal things with the ball? I could see that happening. So I'm going to put him at five on my list. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon uh, watches Corn Johnson film to go to sleep every night. This is what he does. It's not every night it's just half the nights and then the other half it's the morning it's it's sometimes a tough morning and you just need to watch some of the greatest high school highlights of this <laughs> lower than expected class coming in i mean you know corn johnson is definitely gonna be thrust into a leadership role at washington um i think they'll have a lot of minutes have a lot of potential um Maybe he's not my first pick right now, um, but if Washington does start to take off um, and really uh, gain ground on the Pac-12, then then yeah, there's absolutely a chance that that Corn Johnson comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden is one of the dominant Pac-12 players. Do you see so, him as a on one and note, done? Yes, that would be really interesting. There's a one and done. Uh, would surprise ah. me because um, he's but anyways, if he is pac 12 player of the year he could easily be a lottery pick but also yeah. like if he doesn't take over he's there for three years mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, all right now on to yours let me yes, hear this that's what i was gonna get out of here of a list you haven't seen it yet give yourself a break uh my so my list is not in any particular order uh, but my my first player on the list for the Pac-12 Player of the Year is freshman Kalil Ware out of Oregon. Um, no, he's a no. top. T- let me let no. me speak. Let me speak. Let <laughs> no. me speak, Brandon. God damn it! Kalil Ware is an ESPN top ten. He's a big man. He's a center. The craze these days is the modern big man. A player that can shoot, a player that can drive, a player that can post up, that can do everything at a high level and do it well, and still is seven feet tall. Um, Chloe Ware is going to be that man in Oregon. Uh, Oregon had a real disappointing year last year. Um, they're looking for something that, to bring themselves back into contention this year, make the tournament, and perhaps even make the second weekend. I think Chloe Ware is, is the guy that's going to take them to the next level. With his talent and with the existing Oregon team, I think that they will be just the right combination of people to to really showcase Ware's talent and make him uh, known nationally. Okay, is that all? That's all that you That's have all. to say about Ware. Okay, so I know why you are high on him because you're from Minnesota. You're a Chet fan. What does that have to do with anything? This is this is an off-brand Chet. In my opinion, where is an off-brand Chet Holmgren? Don't tell me off-brand. that Chet Holmgren. Don't help. Don't tell me that the real Chet Holmgren wasn't a good player last year. Because he, he, he was. was. But his off-brand is not going to be Pac-12 Player of the Year. I, I don't even think he sucks, man. He might not even start. They have Dante at center. Dante is a solid center. I think they'll start him. I think they'll start him. I think that Dante and Ware will make a great 4-5 pair. I think that Oregon's front court will be one to uh, really, really be um, dominant in the Pac-12. And I think that Oregon's front court is going to make them into a, a fierce team in March. So you don't Can see I rest my case? Greer at the four? You, you see Dante being put at the four. Yeah. yeah. Dante at the four? Or where are the four? Make them interchangeable. You I think where is athletic enough to be the four, four, to be honest with you. Um, I would okay, leave Dante at the five. I would leave Dante at the five, yeah. personally, if I were uh, Coach Altman. And I would put Ware at the four and have Ware um, driving a lot more. Um, 
let him let him express his talent and let him be multidimensional. Um, and that's going to get him a lot of hype in the Pac-12. Okay, but Dana Altman likes using his seniors. And I could see Gurrier at the four as a senior. He likes his freshmen when leadership. they're good, too. He likes those freshmen when they're good, too. I know, Think but... back to Bobo. Yeah, Think back to Bobo. True. I know you but... can't. I'm going to rest my case there uh, for oh, okay. Hello Wear and jump into my next part of my list. Um, my next player for the Pac-12 Player of the Year candidate would be uh, Vincent Uchukwu. I said that right, didn't I? Did I? Can, can you say for the people how tall you are? How tall I am? Yes. I'm 6'6". So you're naturally more inclined to support the big man. Well, yeah, I got to represent my people. Uh, how many? <laughs> oh my gosh! I'll get to the guard. I have guards on my list too. Okay, give me a break. But if you look at the last three, it was Pritchard. Um... Oh shoot! This is number two Pritchard on my list, Brandon. Um, shoot. Peyton Pritchard. Who was? Who is the 2021 Pac-12 Player of the Year? I'm 99% sure. I'm blanking on that one. Who it was. I'm 99% Probably a big man. sure. No, I can guarantee. No, I can't guarantee. I'm 99% sure. Oh, shoot. It was Mobley. It was a big man. I was going to say. That's right. Pac-12. Sit down, buddy boy. Pac-12 likes their guards. But, I mean, Matherin and Pritchard. Uh, two guards, and I, I guess All I right. can see your claim for this one. Let me go on my Iwuchuku is going to be really good at USC um, for a lot of the same reasons that Ware is going to be good at Oregon. Um, obviously, USC is missing Isaiah Mobley. That is going to leave a big gap in their roster to get Iwuchuku in, uh, get him some minutes, let him develop, and I think that by the time that USC comes back to conference play, uh, they'll be a force to reckon with because of their new center. Are you worried about his health concerns? Are you worried about his health concerns? Yeah, that's why he's a candidate. That's why I'm not picking him out right to uh, to win. I think this is all uh, contingent on him being healthy. If if things go downhill for him, then yeah, obviously he won't be Pac-12 Player of the Year, but. I think he can stay healthy for the year. I think that USC is going to do a good job with him and, and make sure that he's uh, training properly to to stay healthy and stay strong. All right, fair enough. I mean, I, I see him more than where on this list, but also he did, what was it, a cardiac arrest this summer? Yeah. Um, which is That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's very concerning, and I I, I don't want to see him struggle with health reasons at all um Mm -hmm. so i don't want to see usc push him too hard yeah so hopefully he can play a whole season and be as good as he should be because i could see him being Mm -hmm. really good yeah i don't see him as a finalist for pac-12 player of the year though fair enough Uh, my next two on my list are a little more predictable um with the first being jaime hawkes jr out of ucla and the second being his uh, veteran teammate, Tiger Campbell, out of UCLA. Um, I think either one of those guys could really be the bellwether of the team this year. I don't know who it's going to be, to be honest with you, but I think that, that both those guys are going to come back and lead a strong core for the Bruins. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I do think Jaime will be the better, but also, like I said earlier, I could see Jaime being more leadership mm-hmm. unless going for the stats going for the prestige i could see him yep. wanting the national title more than yep um this personal glory yeah absolutely and then my final man on my list is uh kirk carissa out of arizona um carissa obviously a really good guard last year um he played in the shadow of benedict matherin for the entire year though um 
So he was known, he was a starter, he was good, um, but he really didn't get to display his full talent um, because Matherin was the one that was taking up the defenders, that was taking the incredible shots with the incredible drives and was what won him the title last year. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Arizona was able to maintain um, the title within their program and, and have Kirk Carrizo go all the way. Yeah, that's that's very reasonable. Uh I, I think that he gets too cold to win player of the year, but I could definitely see him on the list. He he loves Arizona, and the fans love him there. So I could definitely yep. see him having insane numbers at home, but then I also I could see him gaining in his own head in a tough environment. Um, they yep. do aren't Absolutely. isn't their game against Tennessee at Tennessee? Uh, I believe it's in Arizona this year. Um, I think Tennessee oh, and Arizona, Arizona played last. They had a home-home schedule, and they played at Tennessee last year. That was Arizona's first loss of the year. Yeah. So they're well, in, anyway, they're the way in the environments, I could see uh, Carissa struggling. Yep. yep. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, we'll see if he can stay yeah. hot enough throughout the year. So. Well, That's that really leads us to our uh, our last leg of the of the podcast for today, and that would be um, any final bull predictions from either one of us to throw out and piss the other one off, and um, just kind of throw some darts at what the Pac-12 could look like at the end of the year. Uh, well, here I'll just start off with coaching. Um, I do think uh, Hurley and Tinkle are both going to be without a job at their current school at the end of the season. Um, yeah. I think Jared, um, was it Hess or Haas for yeah, Stanford? Jared Haas. I think he's mm-hmm. comfortable, but I think he'll be a little bit squirmy towards the end um, yep. for coaching. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you have anything for coaching, but... Not really with the coaching carousel. I would say that one prediction I want to make this year is that uh, Dana Altman is going to have a redemption year um, from last year, where some people argue that he was that Oregon was snubbed out of a tournament bid. Um, I don't really agree with that, but I think that Altman is going to come back this year with a much stronger Oregon team. Um, they're going to have their ups and downs, but I think that they will make the tournament. And I'm going to be oddly specific here. I think that Oregon will be a nine seed, and they'll be in Gonzaga's region. Gonzaga will take the overall one seed once again this year, and Gonzaga will lose to Oregon, the nine seed, in the second round, and Oregon will make the Sweet 16. I could buy that. That's very much within reason. Um, I got a lot less friction on that than I thought I would from you. (laughs) I I could see it. Uh, I could buy it. It's within reason. It's bold. I'll give you, you that it's bold, it's but bold. It's, bold. It, it's within reason. Okay. Um, my bold prediction for Oregon is that they steal a spot in March from Arizona. Yep. With the win of the Pac-12 tournament. That's I would my love to see that. For them. That would be a really, a really cool storyline to play out for Oregon. Um, but it does shock me that you have Arizona completely missing the tournament. I, I don't see the Pac-12 being... That's strong in non-conference, so I see them as a three-team conference, and I see yep. Arizona sitting around like nine going into March, like March first, mm-hmm. and then losing their first March game, and Oregon winning it, stealing that spot, and pushing Arizona to the NIT. Fair enough. I mean, that would surprise me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not agreeing with you. That would surprise me. Um, but everything you just said does make sense. So I'll give you that. Yeah. It's within reason. But yeah. still, yeah, Oregon wins the tournament. I also could see Arizona gain a Final Four in spot. Yep. That would probably Making be more the first, likely. Making the first four. Yeah. Yep. One more uh, prediction I want to add to. Um not necessarily for just this year, but for future years, um, that the Pac-12 ultimately dissolves in the next 
10 years. Oh, yeah. Well, as no. you guys know, um, UCLA and USC have both uh, signed a ticket to lead the Pac-12 and move to the Big Ten. Um, there's been a lot of rumors swirling that the Big 12 is looking to expand and the Big Ten is looking to expand further. And that can involve schools like Colorado or Washington or Stanford. Um, I don't know anything about that, Brandon, but to me, it sounds like the Pac-12 yeah. is on its way out of existence. Uh, I The Pac-12 as it is now, I see it as going out of existence. The Pac-12, I think, will be... Um, the Mountain West, basically, okay. in the future. Yeah, that makes That's sense. what my prediction is for the Pac-12. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, I, I just don't see the Pac-12 leaving. I think they retain a couple of their schools in the Mountain West a lot of their teams become the Pac-12. Could you see a Pac-12 Mountain West merger ever happening? I think the Mountain West does that to survive because I don't think they'll have enough for a conference after yep. the Pac-12 steals them for parts. Basically. Okay. So I think the Pac the Pac twelve will just sort of annex the entire Mountain West and then they will be absorbed into the Pac twelve. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um what my what was my last I had one more thing I wanted to say. What was that? Oh yeah. Oregon State. Wins three games again this year. That's it. I will take the Both under. Un under? You have Oregon yep. State winning fewer than three games this year. They are terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. That's all I have. That's all, you all have? I have. That's all we have for today. This was our Pac-12 episode with the Saucy Staff Bros. We look forward yeah, to seeing how the Pac-12 performs this year. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time.